Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. It's a new podcast from WQXR. We interrogate the culture of our classical music scene, and we look at ways to make it beautiful for all of us. In this series, we're talking about representations of blackness in opera. And today we're talking about Giuseppe Verdi's Othello. 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 First and foremost, he's a more. 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 Yep. First and foremost, Othello is a more. The one black man in Shakespeare's play and in Verdi's opera. These days, we call him a token. But he was more than tokenized. This man was villainized, criticized, minimized. And because she married him, so was his wife. Because he's a facade. He's gone too far. The level of admiration and his intoxicating personality as as an example of virtuous humanity needs to stop. Then he walks in with his trophy wife. You know, come on. Everybody's going, wow, 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 you know. All that, come on. Otello's othering in this opera is about race, although some try to say it's about class. But I tell you what, in Shakespeare's day, racial prejudice was an institution called slavery. In Verdi's day, racial prejudice was the lifeblood of imperialism. And these days, we're still trying to find ways to live harmoniously with one another, given all that baggage about race from the past. But we still use race and colorism to size one another up. We do it all the time, at work, at play. It's what we know. What takes work is shedding those bad habits. I know I have to work at it every day. So one interaction at a time, I call everybody brother. Hey, brother. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. How would we be? If we didn't have these mantles, these subtle features that distinguish us, hair texture and complexion. This is Morehouse professor, Dr. Uzi Brown, Jr. How how would we be? And I'm talking about the whole of humanity. We have to get to the place where we understand that people can be different and yet not inferior. And it's that thing that scares us. We are scared of difference. Being unafraid of difference. Seeing value in our differences. That is radical. It's what MLK called the beloved community. That's our Northern Star. This is Every Voice with me, Terrence McKnight. Many cultures, many voices, one people. Let's continue north. In the first episode of our series on Otello, I told you how I was annoyed when I first saw Verdi's opera. But this podcast, it's been cathartic. In the last episode, we heard the backstory to the handkerchief. That handkerchief that caused misunderstanding between Otello and his wife Desdemona. 
Now, in most productions of the play and the opera, that little handkerchief is white. But back in 16th century England, the Moors had a special connection to black handkerchiefs. We come to understand that Othello receives this handkerchief from the woman who raised him, which was dyed black. This is Mary Beth Diggle, who sings the role of Desdemona. In the day of Shakespeare, to dye clothing black was very difficult and precious. And the way they did it was by dyeing the fabric together with mummified bodies. Mary Beth played Desdemona in the play by Toni Morrison, who uncovered all of these connections to Africa that are implied in Shakespeare's piece and in Verdi's piece, but overshadowed in modern productions of Othello. There are more connections that Toni Morrison found out. Mary Beth's going to talk about those later in the show, so be sure to just keep listening. This is our last episode on Otello, and then we'll move on to Verdi's opera Aida. When Verdi composed Otello, he was in his late 60s. He was already world famous, and he had retired, but he came out of retirement. And there were two very important factors that brought him back in the game. First, Shakespeare was his favorite poet. Secondly, a little bit of sweet talk from his publisher. His publisher, Ricordi, sent Verdi a letter saying, It would be supremely ingenuous to say to you that a new Verdi opera would not make us a fortune in the financial sense. But this thought is a hundred times outweighed, and I must say, overshadowed by the immense indescribable emotion I feel at the thought of a work that will make your name still more glorious. You know what was also glorious? The 200,000 lira advance plus royalties that was sent to Verdi. That's like $1.2 million today. Now that's the sound of glorious. But you know what? That's also the kind of cash that Verdi raked in for Aida back in 1871. Aida premiered in Cairo, Egypt, and it was a huge event. That opera was about a love affair between an Ethiopian princess and an Egyptian military general. I guess in Verdi's mind, success breeds success. So he went back to East Africa for Otello and cast Otello as an Ethiopian. Now, during the six or seven years that he worked on the opera, he and his publisher referred to it as the Chocolate Project. Because every Christmas, Santa, Verdi's publisher, would send Verdi a chocolate figurine of Otello, and every year they would get bigger. But of all the Africans on the continent... Why an Ethiopian? Other than Aida, what was Verdi's fascination with Ethiopia? I'm so glad you asked. During the decades when Aida and Otello were written, there was a lot going on between Italy and Ethiopia. Italy was part of that Berlin Conference of 1884 and 1885 when European nations agreed on how they would divide the continent amongst themselves. Italy wanted a presence on the Red Sea, the Daily Examiner, San Francisco, March the 18th, 1888. The coming war between Italy and King John of Abyssinia. Abyssinian affairs are growing daily in interest. 
The latest news from the Red Sea is to the effect that King John, with a vast army, is marching against Massawa to fight the invading forces of Italians under General San Marzano, numbering 30,000 men. The latter are throwing up defences and placing guns in position, and a great battle may shortly be expected in Italy. It is hoped that the war will be short and decisive, but the probability is that General San Marzano has a heavy task before him. It is generally acknowledged, however, that Italy is in for the campaign, and that her future position among European nations depends very largely on the vindication of her military prestige in Africa. July 10, 1888, Alabama Beacon. Italy has begun an active campaign for the establishment of its position in Africa, and Abyssinia is apparently prepared for determined resistance. Several skirmishes between Italian outposts and natives have already occurred. That the campaign will end in the success of Italy, there can be little doubt, although the difficulties which will attend the undertaking are not to be despised, as is shown by the British expedition against King Theodore. The overthrow of that monarch... Those press clippings represent the public sentiment that was prevalent when Otello was being performed. I'm not seeing any press clippings about any upsets about the depiction of this more as an irrational, dangerous, hot-headed Ethiopian. In fact, when it premiered in Milan, Otello was a hot ticket, maybe because it was Black History Month. Otello premiere, 5th February, 1887, La Scala, Milan, Italy. The following review appeared in the New York Times on February 7, 1887. The first presentation to the public of Verdi's new opera Otello last evening was a grand event in the history of Italian musical art. La Scala was overcrowded with people representing all classes of Milan society, including all the Italian notabilities in the city or who could get there. Journalists and critics from all quarters of Europe were in attendance, with managers of the chief European theaters and opera houses. No more critical or intellectual audience was ever brought together in La Scala to approve or condemn a new opera. Boito's libretto is an excellent drama. The score is written with remarkable freshness of invention, and notwithstanding his daring evolution, Verdi has sustained the Italian nationality of his work and the well-known qualities of his genius will be recognized, though in more brilliant light than heretofore. After the curtain dropped in the final scene, Verdi received an ovation. The demonstrations were surprising in their excessive enthusiasm. All the gentlemen and ladies were standing, swinging hats and handkerchiefs, and crying loudly, Viva Verdi! Othello is one of the great plays of the 19th century. Every famous actor wants to play Othello. And so Othello is omnipresent. And what that means and who is seeing what and hearing what when they experience Othello, that's super dense stuff. So Verdi is, of course, responding to the Africa that was colonized and that was cut into pieces. That's Peter Sellers, the opera and theater director. So since the opera highlights Othello's flaws, how in the world did Desdemona fall for that man? Parents, aunts, uncles, caretakers of young children, you might want to hear this next bit of the show. Mary Beth Diggle will be back in the role of Desdemona. This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. 
I'm Mary Beth Diggle. You're listening to Every Voice with Terence McKnight. Many cultures, many voices, one people. Movies, music, celebrities making bad choices. Crooked Media's weekly podcast, Keep It, has it all. Each week, culture experts Ira Madison III and Louis Vertel unpack the latest controversies, praise character actress appreciation, and share all the gossip in a week. Expect bold and unique queer commentary, award show grievances, and iconic guests like Billy Porter, Michelle Yeoh, Ariana DeBose, and Cheryl Lee Ralph. New episodes of Keep It drop every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. In last week's episode, soprano and actress Mary Beth Diggle, who has played and sung the role of Desdemona in Shakespeare's play, Verdi's Opera, and in Desdemona by Toni Morrison, shared a critical part of the story that typically gets washed out. We come to understand in the play of Toni Morrison that Othello receives this handkerchief from the woman who raised him, which was dyed black. Nobel laureate and author, the late Toni Morrison and Peter Sellers collaborated on two plays, Shakespeare's Othello and Toni Morrison's Desdemona. That collaboration started as Peter was working on producing Othello. I said to her, you know, Toni there's just too much missing from this play. I need you to write a play called Desdemona that goes next to Othello and is in dialogue with it. And puts in a bunch of the missing material. Tony did write that play and the missing material for one thing was women. And Tony made the encounter with all the women in the play who are censored every minute and who are hardly ever saying what they think or know. One of the most beautiful things in the Verdi opera is the Willow Song. The title Willow Song appears in a book for lute that was published in the 16th century. Now remember, the lute was one of those instruments that Moors brought with them to Spain during their 800-year residency. And the Willow Song is actually where we began working on Shakespeare's play because Desdemona has a little speech before their bedroom scene in Shakespeare. And she says, oh, you know, this song I can't get out of my head all day. It's this really sad song. And I learned it from my mother's maid, Barbary, who died singing it. 
which gives you a set of triggers like, excuse me, like somebody else died of heartbreak. Somebody else died of the violence of somebody just hating you. Somebody else died singing this song. Barbary, of course, is North Africa. Othello walked through the door and I saw him for the first time. Part of me felt like I was coming home to something because I was not actually raised by my mother. I was raised by Barbary. You hear that mom? You hear that dad? You hear that auntie? You hear that caretakers, theater directors? Desdemona found home base with Othello because her parents were too busy. So this young lady was raised by an African woman and her childhood instincts didn't understand prejudice. But she understood what care felt like. She understood what love felt like. So when Otello showed up, they saw that in one another. I don't think anyone, maybe similarly to me, which is probably why we found each other in the way we did, I don't think anyone has ever really given him their ears to his stories. I think it's probably the first time someone from a different culture, someone with a different background like me, has showed him any interest in that part of his life. You hear Desdemona singing, Salice, Salice. That's Italian for willow. The original willow weep for me. She sings this song before her life is snuffed out by her husband, Otello, who then takes his own life. Now, if you've ever seen the play or the opera, or even if you haven't, I'll tell you, I miss that. I miss those connections. The black handkerchief. The African-inspired sorrow song. The connection that Desdemona and Otello had to Africa. I miss that. Maybe it's me, but seems like some of those elements get underplayed. Those positive racial aspects of blackness get underplayed. But not here, not on this show. We're playing it up. We're trying to make things beautiful for all of us. This is how we do it. We are pulling these issues out from the shadows. We're shining light on them. The sun is shining on them. Thanks to everyone who joined us for these episodes on Otello. Mary Beth Daigle, Thomas Hampson, Peter Sellers, our main man, Lemmy Pulliam, Kevin Maynard, Dr. Uzi Brown Jr. Thanks to Sophia Edmondson for uh, reading some script for us. And a special thank you to the late Toni Morrison for helping us all to get to a deeper understanding of Otello and his humanity. This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. I'll see you next time. Every Voice with Terrence McKnight was written and produced by Terrence McKnight, David Norville, and Tony Phillips. Our research team includes Ariel Elizabeth Davis, Pranati Diwakar, Ian George, and Jazz Ogist. This episode's sound design and engineering was by Alan Gofinski, and our original music is composed by Brother Jeremy Thomas, featuring Dr. Ashley Jackson on harp 
and brother Titos Sampa on percussion and vocals. Our project manager is Natalia Ramirez, and our executive producer is Tony Phillips. The executive producer for WQXR Podcast is Elizabeth Nanamaker, and Ed Yim is the chief content officer at WQXR. This project is supported in part by the National Endowment for the Arts. You can find more information on the web at arts.gov. And thanks to the Met Archives for invaluable research data and a huge amount of gratitude to Livermore Valley Opera for sharing their performance of Otello, conducted by Alexander Katzman, featuring Elaine Alvarez as Desdemona and our main man, Lemmy Pulliam, as Otello. If you enjoyed this episode, please take time to rate it, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I'm Terrence McKnight. I'll see you next time. You're listening to Every Voice with Terrence McKnight.